welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, welcome to season three. I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, This is going to be a really fun season. There's an amazing lineup of guests coming at you. So tune in every Wednesday morning to see who's on the show and what's going on over here. Um, To kick things off, we're going to be joined by Colin Bedell today. Um, He's the founder of Queer Cosmos, his astrology brand. So while you're listening, go check him out on Instagram at Queer Cosmos. He is a fabulous Gemini from New York City. He's hilarious and super smart. We got into so many interesting discussions that I didn't think we'd touch in this episode today. So it's a juicy one. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He is a passionate student of astrology and an amazing teacher of personal growth systems and the universal spiritual themes that A Course in Miracles explores. And you might also recognize him from Cosmopolitan Magazine and Astrology.com, where he is a weekly contributor as an astrologist. And he's also the author of A Little Bit of Astrology, An Introduction to the Zodiac, which is an Amazon bestseller. And I love this quote from him. He says, the Zodiac in all its magnificent glory is a dialogue. It's a dialogue with enough room for everyone at the table. In the Zodiac, there's specific energy bestowed to each sign, a kind of prototypical magic endowed to all, a dynamic to each two, and a magnificent harmony to all 12. Every sign communicates something valuable to the other. Hmm, love that. So have a blast listening to this one. Colin is just, he's got the best energy. So thank you again for being here. Um, You can find me as well at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram. So while you listen to this episode, slide into the DMs, hit us up, let us know what you're learning and what you're enjoying. And all right, I think that's it from me. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Well, Colin, thank you again for being here. Um, Namaste. (laughs) (laughs) the first question i always love to ask people is how do you like to start your days off what does your morning routine look like if you have one oh well i will totally speak astro speak for folks who know the conversation well um and i apologize if they're not because they're going to be like i need subtitles for what the fuck he just said but uh my moon is in the sixth house and i absolutely love a grounding morning routine i know that the tenor the quality and the efficacy really of my day is largely rooted in that because of that signature in my astrology. So as soon as my day begins, I immediately go to get the coffee, get the juice. I start some music. I just get into the vibe. I get into the joy. I kind of like to play Oracle Spotify. And I'm like, what does the universe want to tell me in song today? Mm. And that's always really fun. Uh, And then I know that my morning routine is about to be complete when I start the workbook of A Course in Miracles. And so I've been doing that every day since 2016. So it's been about five years now and really grounding myself in such beautiful and instructive and soulful spiritual language has completely transformed the quality of my life from the inside out. Um, and I'm in the meantime of all of that, I'm not texting, typing, or talking to anybody. It's just me, God, music, Britney Spears, and just like in a vibe, in his own literally Brittany. And uh, after I've done the workbook of A Course in Miracles and and read it, I'll meditate for about five to 10 minutes. And then I enter productivity, I enter human consumption, and I'm ready to do whatever the day has me do. 
Excellent. Oh my gosh. So many little things I want to touch on with you there. Um, I guess, first of all, for people who aren't familiar with A Course in Miracles, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what's the process like? Have you heard of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what do you know of it? I'm curious where you're at first. I know that it's like a long process and it's a really intentional, beautiful, long process um, with a a lot of like transformational writing, like correct me if I'm wrong. And like, um, real connection to source and spirit, like, but I've never done it. I just know people have had really get like so beautifully connected with this and and stick with it for a long time. It's not just like a two week thing. It's like years. Um, so that's what I, (laughs) that's my understanding. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Course in Miracles is is essentially a self-study program of universal spiritual themes intended to really just be spiritual psychotherapy. And so it's three volumes. The first is a text. So it's about 650 pages of metaphysical principle, just written absolutely beautifully. Some of it is beyond my intellect, but it's like, that's why we study this every day because we're meant to work it out as long as possible. And the second volume is 365 workbook lessons. And that's really the crown jewel of A Course in Miracles. Like today was, today's was just absolutely one of my favorites. So I'm glad that we're talking about it. And of course we are because we're recording, right? (laughs) Uh, But it's, I will be still and listen to the truth. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, wow, if we could just all give ourselves stillness to hear truth as we understand it. So it's 365 of these really beautiful lessons that we're meant to sit with and apply in our day-to-day life because you know, again, I think routine and ritual is attitudinal exercise, emotional exercise. It's when we're really trying to work on the thinking and the emotions and the strategy to be the people we want to be. And my favorite instructor, coach, and trainer for that is A Course in Miracles. It helps us unlearn the dominant system of fear and comparison and scarcity and anger and emotional warfare and violence, and to remember a thought system which is actually much more natural to us and that's mm-hmm. love, connection, compassion, empathy, right relationship, you know, a, a sense of stewardship to the earth, to other people, to yeah. live in peace. So yeah. I, it's, I can't imagine my life without it. I, I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't have this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, I could spend a whole hour talking about that, but I won't. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's what it was for me. It really Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful to understand and fully grasp. I love what you just touched on too about, you know, transmuting fear and bringing yourself back into the field of love. And I think, you know, we're all talking about this in the spiritual community, but this is like, we can't talk about it enough. I was just having this conversation last night about how humans go through cycles and like, why do we psychologically literally go to war with each other? It's so barbaric and crazy. And like, what we're going through right now is, is literally just a shift out of a cycle, like a literal breakaway from this huge dimension that we've been living in. So how are you perceiving like being in your human form right now? I know that's a really big question, (laughs) but like, what is life for you right now? You know, in the midst of every crazy thing that's going on, like, how are you holding your stillness? Well, great question. Well, through the morning routine, to be really honest with you, and the recognition that you're absolutely right. The world that we live in is indoctrinated with a fear-based programming. And so if we want to learn the way of love and non-judgment and peace, benevolence, forgiveness, and mercy for all sentient beings, that requires an onboarding. That requires skilling up. Yes. Right. And so that's to me, of course, the miracles and other systems, absolutely. And then how do I experience being human? I experienced the the both endness of being human, like today, because uh, Pluto is now retrograde in Capricorn as of yesterday, April 27th until the middle of October. And I've just been really reviewing 
the significant loss of so many people's versions of reality, loss of human life, loss of economic stability, loss of connection, loss of routine, loss of demarcation among, okay, I'm working, I'm living, I'm connecting, I'm moving. We have just experienced such profound loss. And I just really want to acknowledge that in the midst of what's happening. And I also want to acknowledge that we know this as a central universal spiritual theme in the face of so much death, I've also experienced profound connection to life and vibrancy as I understand it. And I feel both grateful for that, but I'm also in a mourning for where people are at in terms of their FaceTime funerals that they have to go to. Yeah, yeah. And the loss of economic stability, the loss of health. There's so much that's both, that I'm present to in terms of what's, what people are losing. And I'm also very present to what people are acquiring. So I just feel grateful for that whole continuum of the human experience, life and death, uh, heartbreak and love, fear and love. Mm -hmm. um, so that's currently what I'm present to right now. Yeah, long answer. But. No, that's beautiful, you know, because there's no spiritual bypassing in that. And it's really yeah. raw. Like we came in here, I think, you know, very intentionally to have the full spectrum and to experience yes. the universe as itself. And, and that is, uh, beautiful. has a huge dichotomy to it. It's not Most always sure. just like peace, love and joy. Like we're always staying on that frequency, but like transmuting all of this darkness is like, yes. is really intense. So just finding a way to come back to that stillness and like, actually making sure that you find joy. Um, I was loving your IGTV the other day that you posted about the Scorpio full moon oh, and you. not being afraid of joy. Um, could you touch on that with us again? Yeah. So Helen, I'm shocked. I, I'm not a person who like looks at algorithms and numbers and metrics. No fucking way. Right. But I was <laughs> shocked at where that video went. I was yeah. it, it, like, took a life of its own. I think it's at like 155,000 views on mm -hmm. TV. Like who does that? Like, I'm like, it's not even a real, it's not even 30 seconds, it's <laughs> three minutes. I had people's attention for three and a half minutes. Like that's crazy. That's yes. Yeah. But you know, people needed to hear it. Like I, yes. Uh, yeah, no. And I think what's really beautiful about the work that we're all doing is like just listening to the inner wisdom and what, what does the, what, what does my people who, what needs to be said today? Mm -hmm. So I, I spoke on that because the way that I approach astrology is I don't go into particular experiences or talking to particular zodiac signs with theory that I want to prove or disprove. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not a quantitative, traditional, classical astrologer, an evolutionary astrologer, mundane astrologer, really none of that. What I do instead is I like to observe the lived experiences of other people and see what particular patterns emerge through qualitative analysis rather than quantitative analysis and wrap new language and new theory around what's emerging in the times in which we live. And when it comes down to the full moon in Scorpio and Scorpionic world energy, they to me are friends, family, colleagues, and lovers who really teach me how folks are terrified of their own joy. They are absolutely panicked when confronted with the possibility of intimacy, connection, and all the things that they want. I'm not saying Scorpio is the panicked one. They just teach me, Scorpio rule people, teach me what it means to experience joy as vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Right. And also you want to talk about the full dichotomy. It is Scorpio of all of the Zodiac signs I've experienced in my life. Again, back to qualitative analysis. They're the first ones to show up for you at a birthday party and the first ones to show up for you at a funeral. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can do both. 
but Scorpio does both. Yeah, you just kind of gave me chills because my sister's Scorpio and she is so that. Yeah. Oh, I know. know. I love my Scorpio. I could cry mm-hmm. just thinking about how much I love. Yes. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I love. and so loyal. So loyal. And if you think about it, like, are there people who really clap for you when everything's going well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And versus when it's not going well, who shows up for you there? I feel like Scorpio's in it for both. And so, and I quoted Dr. Renee Brown's work primarily. It was her material in that video. I was just essentially summarizing it. And I just think the fear of joy and the vulnerability of joy mm-hmm. and where we go when we're in protection and downloading WCS worst case scenario, instead of living in the present moment, we go right into the wreckage of the future and we dress rehearse tragedy. I think that connection needed to be discussed under the full moon in Scorpio so that people yeah. could recognize the, the pain of what's happening and where we go when we're trying to stay safe and self-protected, but also say, if I lock myself out of joy because I'm scared, then I'm not really engaged in any continuum. So what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you put it so perfectly. Vulnerability takes courage and bravery. And like, I guess that just comes from experience of putting yourself out there and understanding that what's meant for us is not going to miss us. But I mean, how do you help people understand that it's okay to open your heart and to put yourself out there and and like be okay with rejection, which we're all so afraid of? I know. Oh man. Well, you know, I first would look them in the eye and say, Unfortunately, it's a part of the contract that life makes with us is we are not going to experience the relational landscape without rejection, heartbreak, setback, disappointment, and failure. Mm -hmm. So who do you want to be in the face of that truth? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to be? Do you want to have systems that optimize vulnerability, both pre and post? Sure, let's go there, right? Do you want to be surrounded by people who remind you of your resilience and your value and and how strong you can be when you share the story of your heart, mm-hmm. let's go there, right? But I think that we say this by acknowledging there's a lot of popular discourse that makes people feel like they're entitled to certainty and they're entitled to comfort. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just not true. Yeah. And so then what? You know. So I would almost just kind of not tell them what to do or like give them direction per se. I would just ask them those questions of like, who do you want to be in the face of risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure? Yeah. Who do you want to be? questions. You know, and what's, I, I, back to like the, the quality of routines, what systems do you have in place to optimize that? Mm-hmm. To encourage courage, and then also stabilize you after the emotional exposure. I've been talking to a lot of my friends about how we've all been feeling a vulnerability hangover. Mm, yeah. Ugh. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, what do we do? Where do we, what's, what prescription, what medicine do we need? You know? So <laughs> for real. Oh my gosh. Okay. You tell yeah. me what, it, what are you thinking and processing? Well, that? I mean, this is just reminding me that our triggers are our biggest teachers. Um, and right. I had such a fiery kind of relational fire start the other day. And oh. um, it's a, it's a cycle that keeps coming back and it's the only thing that will trigger me. And I, and I, Every time the trigger comes up, I'm like, whoa, I'm getting better uh, at uh, being more present and not reacting so fast and thinking and responding before I speak. Yes. And uh, instead of you know being flustered and going to bed angry, I, I worked on just being like, so grateful for this because this time I was a little calmer. This time I was more compassionate with the you know, exchange um, and I'm yeah. still working on getting to a place of 
that, that I don't get shocked and triggered into a fight or flight state that I actually can remain calm. And wow. I think that's like what meditation teaches us, honestly. And like, I know med- meditation is kind of repeated so much in our community, but it's for a reason. Like we, we come back to that place and it, it's like, so you mentioned that your meditation is part of your morning ritual. So what does your meditation look like? Oh, well, to it, it, I just wanted to acknowledge too, I think in relationship to your story, what I'm mm-hmm. hearing is that the idea that meditation expands the space and the time between an activating an event and a behavior that we ultimately choose. Mm-hmm. That's what meditation does is it just creates that spaciousness of, okay, I'm moved in this area, but I don't have to react from it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. also it's the Viktor Frankl idea that in the space between stressor and response lies our ultimate freedom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of a better way of expanding that than meditation personally. Right. But what do I know? Not a whole lot of nothing, <laughs> but I am a consistent meditator. It has, yeah, really just changed the way that I show up and pay attention and focus on life as it's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. It has made me definitely emotionally regulate effectively, not all the time, but more often than not, I feel pretty emotionally regulated. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the meditation is I will think about the centering thought of what A Course in Miracles says like today, which is I will be still and listen to truth. And just think about that for five to 10 minutes and just mm-hmm. take that, take that idea all the way in. And I could just feel my perception, my cognition, my physical self, my emotional body change when I let that idea in. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's my meditation practice. And it has fundamentally transformed my life from the inside out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I'm just thinking about this. Like there's something about meditation that like brings us out of the fight or flight state and gives us yes. an awareness that transcends like the, the moment, you know, like you can almost tap into this field that, that becomes second nature to you. So as these triggers come up, like I, this is how we're different people today than we were, you know, a few years ago as we continue to practice, because I mean, now it's, it's enabled me to look at people almost like I would look at a child. Like when I, when I feel like somebody's scared, I'm like, just imagine them as a little kid. Like they're just mm. scared. Um, and how am I going to confront their fear? Am I going to match it? Which sometimes I do. And I have to catch myself that's the trigger I'm referring to, or I can be like compassionate and and be like, they're just scared. How can we like connect with our hearts and like come back down and and communicate more effectively? And you know what? I'm proud of you for working on a perception that allows you to look through that filter. Hey there, just popping in for a second to tell you about my new offering, Cultivating Confidence. This is an online self-mastery course that I've been developing over the last few months, but I honestly feel like I've been working on this for my entire life. (laughs) And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to be at a point now where I'm really able to share this with the women in my community. So it's an online go at your own pace course with eight modules and it includes EFT tapping, guided visualization meditations, affirmations, transformational workbook prompts, goal setting, developing a daily practice and so much more good stuff. I've really included actionable steps in every single module for you so that you are really doing the work. 
and you're going to discover a lot about yourself through doing this. It's really amazing what happens when we invest in ourselves and show up for ourselves. It's a way of communicating to ourselves that we love ourselves and that we believe in ourselves. So if you're ready to look into this and you're ready to take the next step and really step into the next version of yourself and align with that highest version of yourself, this might be just the thing for you. So you can go to HelenDenham.com to check that out and you'll see a link for the course and let me know if you have any questions, but thank you so much for listening and back to our conversation. Because that is real. That's hard. And what, you know what I should say? I don't know if it's hard. I just think it's different. Mm -hmm. And I think what's hard is getting over our resistance to doing things differently. I don't, I don't think this path is challenging. I think it's just different. And we're mm-hmm. not used to talking ourselves out of difference. I think it's much harder to be emotionally reactive, emotionally hooked. I got to wake up with a perception that people are out to get me. And maybe if I just dress, rehearse tragedy and armor up first, no one will hurt me. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. That's really yes. exhausting. Yes, it is hard. It doesn't feel good. And like what we're talking about is on on a neurological level, like reprogramming our subconscious and our neural pathways. Like this is the work, you know, it's not like it it takes time to reprogram everything we've been taught and programmed to believe by society. So yeah, it takes time. (laughs) It takes time. And I think meditation is probably one of the most, if not the most effective way to take the deprogramming, take the ideas we talk about in podcasts and books and other spiritual spaces, bring it from the intellectual uh, nervous system straight down to the emotional hardwiring. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why A Course in Miracles talks about how enlightenment begins as a journey without distance from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all it is, you know, and I don't know of a better way to incorporate and integrate these ideas through other than meditation. I just don't know it yet. Right. No, absolutely. It's just such a simple kind of remembering of who we really are in our essence. Like I keep thinking it's less of an awakening that we're going through and more of like a remembering. And I always feel like I'm coming back to that. Mm -hmm. Yes, honey. That's what spirituality is. It's an unlearning, not a learning. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you can't help but just go back to what love uh, has taught us, how it actually is natural, even though the world tries to think it is unnatural. And Mm -hmm. once we just get rid of all the excess stuff that we took on into the external programming, we're just right back to who we need to be, what we need to do, and the level of results we want to have expressed. Yep. Exactly. So I want to kind of like take it back for a minute and just, you know, hear about your journey to becoming an astrologer and what like your spiritual journey has looked like up until now. Like, what has made you who you are today? Oh my gosh. You know, I would say other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's specific to me. I think that's everybody's story. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's always been other people who have made me who I am today. And particularly, I guess you could say my astrological journey begins with my mother because, and I'm actually in her childhood room, which is always so weird when I talk about this here, but uh, she is a cancer, a cancer son. And she, you too? Yes, me too. Oh, I love it. Okay, that's why you got that beautiful, cozy, like open cardigan. I'm like giving Uh, you glamour, giving (laughs) you like cozy comfort. Cozy vibes. Um, That's it. So my mom is a cancer, June 22nd, and she w- she was reading Linda Goodman's Sun Signs in the 70s, mm-hmm. and she was just so amazed at how accurately it predicted her Taurus son, my big brother, and myself. I'm a Gemini twin, and so is my twin sister, obviously. So she would always talk about astrology in the house, 
and she would say really funny things about it. And then I remember I was about 11 or 12, which is a big a year in astrology during, when we reached that age. And I just Googled G-E-M-I-N-I. And this rush of information found me and it's been constantly seizing me essentially ever since. And I would talk about it all the time. I would ask people about their birthdays. And I was so amazed by its ability to help me make meaning and find pattern recognition and connect to other people. It's definitely a relational accelerator because conversations go right into the heart of the matter when you're talking about astrology typically. Mm -hmm. So I was so amazed by that. And then in my early 20s, uh, I went through a really significant breakup. It was a second Jupiter return. So I was 23, 24. And I just sort of thought to myself like, well, damn, there has to be a better way of doing this because my best thinking got me here, like they say in recovery spaces. And I am broken up with, totally depressed, really anxious and unsure of what to do next. And then Helen, I swear to you, A Course in Miracles found me right then and there. Next mm -hmm. thing I know, I'm watching Marianne Williamson talk about forgiveness with Oprah Winfrey, another cancer son, Marianne, Oprah's an Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really that moment when I put the principles of A Course in Miracles and its universal spiritual themes with astrology. And then in my, my really early to mid twenties, again, just talking about it with friends. I made uh, tons of friends in the astrological community. I was surrounding myself with them, never even imagining in a million years that I would be doing it professionally. I was at Parsons School of Design studying fashion. So it's mm. like, you know, fashion and, and astrology and spirituality, they've always intersected, you know, but I just, I had no idea. And then when I was 28, I started Queer Cosmos with my best friend, Christina Shinyi Mui, and we just put it out into the, the ethers. And two weeks later, I was fired from my day job. Wow. Two weeks later. Oh my God. And so I was like, oh, right. And I thought, okay, I, maybe this is the moment I've been waiting for. Let me just put what A Course in Miracles, astrology, and all of these spiritual systems of personal growth and professional success have taught. Let me see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then we can go even deeper here. Uh, a month later, another one of my best friends passed away mm. in a tragic accident. And it really just kind of taught me like this experience of, wow, so life is absolutely the most fragile, precious thing you cannot love without loss. You cannot be in this spiritual world without going through some level of baptism by fire. This might be it for me. And yeah. you know what? I will be goddamned if I do anything professionally or personally that is not in her honor or is ultimately meaningless. Mm. A few weeks later, Cosmo contacted me, asked if I would write their weekly horoscopes. I was on unemployment at the time from New Jersey. I know, yeah. like, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy, okay? And then in December, I was offered my first literary contract the week I got my last unemployment check. Oh, come on. It was like, boom, 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 boom. I know. It's so expansive to hear you talk about this. And it's actually a theme that I keep recognizing. Like people talking about when they had this big transformation and things started to line up is because they, they were on their path. Everything yeah. fell away and they were like living their blueprint, like yes. as they needed to be here. And like when you're, you're in your soul's purpose, like bang, 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 like things bang, are going to line bang. up for you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, but like at the same time, of course, like it seems like astrology is a second language to you. It's like, it, you know, this is what you live and breathe. Like this is who you are as well. Am I right? Like it just, yeah. of course it lined up for you. It, it did. And I just have to acknowledge, like, along the way, it was really scary. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. You know, I think now I can look back and sort of see, you know, where certain things were lining up. But in the moment, I didn't have the cognition to anticipate what was going to happen. I just had the faith. I believed that my friend who had recently passed away, the last conversation we had together as I said out loud to her, okay, I guess I want to be an astrologer and I hope I make enough to pay my bills and blah, 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 blah. And when she passed away, I told myself that she's now on it. You know, mm. she's part of my spiritual team, you know, helping these things happen. And it was absolutely terrifying to apply faith in those circumstances. You know, I was living in the city. I had rent to pay. I was only getting half of my salary. I was on unemployment, you know, mm -hmm. so I never thought it could actually emerge. And then it actually did. And I think that's the, the encouragement that you and I can share to other people is that, yeah, when we are willing to take that step and enter into the trust fall in the universe, as my friend Dylan says, yeah. we will be caught. We yes. will be caught. And if we really just maintain the faith that we are much more supported than we can see, like my friend Melissa is constantly reminding me, then as Joseph Campbell says, the invisible hands will help you. Mm, you just yeah. have to trust that they're there and you have to really just say, okay, I will do everything in my power to unlearn contempt, comparison, perfectionism, scarcity, anger, judgment, and violence, maintain peace non-judgment, compassion, mercy, love, forgiveness, and I'm only here to be of service to other people. Universe dreams through me. Mm. And then that's when the path unfolds one day at a time, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I love what you're saying about trusting and faith, because I think that's the biggest uh, quantum leap for a person to make, it seems like, is to allow themselves to trust because like, yes. we're scared. We're like, okay, we're going to fall. I don't know. But right. like, somebody was asking me like, how, how do you just let go? Like, how do you, when you're manifesting or something, how do you just let go? And I'm like, letting go is just trusting. Um, yeah, because as, if you keep beating it over the head, like I want this, I want this, I want this. You're, you're expressing to the universe that you don't fully trust it's going to happen. And you're, it's, right. it's, it's, it's questioning it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question I have for you is like, how did you get to a place of trust? Like, how did you build that muscle? Oh boy. You know, it would, I would say it was, I was about eight months into the workbook lesson of A Course in Miracles, right? I had to kind of be onboarded, mm -hmm. right? And also I was just really amazed as before I even started the workbook and I was um, learning from Marianne Williamson from afar and she would recommend certain things. Like for example, before you know you're going to meet somebody, go ahead and proactively greet the divinity within them. So that when you arrive, you're already in a space of the love of me salutes the love in you. Yep. Just little strategies of shift the perception, shift the focus, shift the concentration. And as I did that, Helen, in real time, my results were available in real time. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, well, damn, this works, right? So how do I trust? How do I believe in this? Because my experience supports that when yeah. I apply it, it works. You're proving it to yourself over and oh, over again. Over yeah. and over again. And so I said, all right, well, now that I'm unemployed and I'm really going to have to pull a rabbit out of a hat here and create a career out of thin air, this is where I really fucking need it. Okay. Yeah. And boom, it was like all this mighty cosmic companionship has, as Martin Luther King says, it, it, it helped me and it joined me. And that's how I started to learn to trust. I really saw the power of God to use that word specifically. I'm sorry. It just, mm. I saw it in my life. And also I think what has really helped me as a student of A Course in Miracles is I didn't go about the career starting with, I want to be an astrologer. I want a book deal. I want, I want, I want, I want. I said, it would be nice. It would be cool. 
but the foundation was universe, you dream through me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to yeah. tell you what I want and how you can serve me. My question is, what do you want and how can I serve you? Yes. And if it's me becoming an astrologer, great. If not, just please guide me to places so that I'm not evicted. I can pay my bills and I won't fall flat on my face if that's okay. And it just happened as such. Mm. Cause you're in a place of service instead yes, of ego, yes, which is so yes. powerful. And like, yes. I, I so admire that. It's something I'm working through myself. Like if I'm not having quote unquote success with something, I'm like, well, where is it coming from? Is it because mm. I, I want people to look at me and see me or am I truly being of service to my community um, and helping them because people feel that from anywhere right across the screen. They feel it. They know we have like BS detectors that are crazy. (laughs) Helen, I'm so glad you said that because I also think that has to be discussed here in these personal growth crowds is like, of course, yes, we want everybody here to have abundance, the life that they dream of and all their glories and desires manifest. Absolutely. And people know if you're all about you. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to know. So don't kid yourself. Don't kid others. If you're in this career for that functionality, you may want to reexamine your desires here. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad you said that because, yeah, I think the vast majority of the consumers in this world are very clear. This person is here because they genuinely want to help versus they want to have the glamorous appeal of being a healer. Yep. You know, but don't even get me started on that. What's your moon sign? I am a, okay, so I'm a Cancer Sun. Capricorn Moon? No, Gemini Moon and Cancer Rising. I'm a Gemini Moon. Okay, no wonder we connect in such a way. And I love Cancers too, don't get me wrong, but it was like, there's a deep intelligence there. And I'm like, where's that coming from? Oh, oh thank you. Gemini my Gemini moon. moon. And I'm, I'm so excited to be learning about this because I only discovered my like rising and my moon like uh, in January, like very recently. Like wow, I welcome. just, thank you. I'm kind of new to the astrology great. community here. Welcome. That's yeah. great. No, that's awesome. You know, you, you're right where you belong. It's, it's, it's a perfect place to start. There's never been a better time to acquire information on astrology right now because there's so much information and mediation and astrologers out there. This is the perfect time. Yeah. You know, it's always fascinating to me to like kind of pull back and go like really big picture with astrology too, because whenever I get in my like logic thinking mind, like compartmentalize, I'm like, oh, how does it make sense? And then I'm like, okay, the reality is that we're spinning on this beautiful globe, this planet in a galaxy that has its own ecosystem and its own system, like traveling through space in a Milky Way. Like, it's just so huge that like, of course, we're part of something so so huge. Um, so huge. You know? And we are literally made of stardust. Yeah. That's not some pretty little thing that we see at like Home Goods and Marshalls. No, we are literally made of stars. Literally. Yes. Literally. So uh-huh. why, are, why don't the story of the stars live through us? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, we don't even need to know why it makes sense. I still don't fucking know how planets are revolving around the sun, but it happens. I don't need to understand it. Yeah. But all I know is that, again, related to the quality of experience and what happens here, when we apply our thoughts and beliefs and strategies astrologically inclined, our life experience works beautifully. So I'm pretty fucking convinced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something big is going on out there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. amazing. I, I don't know, but it works for me. And that's all I know. And you may want to try it sometime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite planets and like houses to work with? I guess, you know, Ooh, hit me with an astro question. Okay. <laughs> recently, recently, um, I've actually done really like 
significant, almost you could say like devotional work to the planet Mars. Mm. Uh, because yeah, Mars as an energy, it's usually in astrology, it's considered the planet of fighting or fucking, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, when we're in our Martian energy, we're ready to flip tables and we're ready to do the down and dirty stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But for me now, the way that I've looked at Mars is through the lens of what Esther Perel, a very successful couples therapist has taught, which is that I think that Mars just wants to want. It's our planet of wanting. Mm -hmm. And when we connect to our wanting, how does it make us feel? You know, I, I could... I, I would imagine for women, because wanting and desire has been predominantly policed and surveilled by the patriarchy and other men for so long, it is an uncomfortable place to be, right? And even in classical literature, I can think of Dracula as an example. When the woman owned her desire, she had to be killed. Mm, and that was the only wow. way for the author to contain the woman's desire was to kill her. Wow. And that's yep. a whole motif in like PhD in English literature, whatever. So yeah, I think with Mars, I've just been really considering what does it mean for us to want? How is our wanting then a function of our vibrancy, our life force and our autonomy and our freedom? How do we own our wanting, name it to other people who have to hear it? And how do we really listen carefully to the wanting and the desires of others? So I've been doing almost that Mars work for the last two years. I'm in the middle of my Mars return. Mars is in cancer. Hello. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say now um, I'm starting to work with Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, a little bit more because I went to this phenomenal workshop by another astrologer. Her name's Emily Russo. And she's a Virgo sun in my sign, my sun sign and Emily's sun sign are the only ones ruled by Mercury. And so Virgo Gemini. And she just presented this this fascinating Mercury archetype that Mercury is the messenger beyond, not just like, oh, read all about it, but it's an energy that's like beyond the polarity. It's beyond the yes or no, A or B. She uses uh, Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet as mm -hmm. an example. Mercutio, Mercury, right? Yeah. And she started the workshop, Helen, with the idea, Mercutio got the invite. And what she meant by that was that Mercutio, who was uh, best friends with Romeo, was invited to the Capulets party. So even though he had allegiance to their sworn enemy, he still got the invite. Mm. And because he got the invite and performed and danced, at the at the at the party, they the, the fighting ceased. It stopped. It's like girls, everybody, don't take yourself too seriously. Big Mercury <laughs> energy, right? Yeah. And then last but not least, when Merc Mercutio was killed, that's when everything went to hell. Mm. And you have to ask yourself, what happens when we shoot the messenger? Mm. We say yeah. don't shoot the messenger, but what yeah. happens when we legitimately do? And that's that's the cautionary tale yeah. of Mercury. I mean, that, that draws us into kind of an offshoot topic about Please. cancel culture, quote unquote, because that's okay, like yeah. classic shoot the messenger and like not really giving people the space uh, that they deserve to grow and, and, and reflect. I know. Yeah. Interesting I'm, things. I'm taking a lot of information around that too, around, yeah, like I think for certain p people of extreme power, Harvey Weinstein as an example, there mm -hmm. are appropriate levels of cancellation if people are just routinely and regularly extorting their power. And yeah, there's the idea too that like cancel culture arising within black Twitter was a space for black people to acknowledge these folks, these people of extreme power have dehumanized, have harmed. So we're going to take our power back yes. by disavowing them too. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And then also there exists the what about redemptive, restorative, transformative justice? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
like yeah, rehabilitation. I, it's yeah. like the yeah. problem with the prison system is that they just lock them up, but they don't actually rehabilitate anybody. No. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point too, the problem with the prison system is it's really a symptom of a larger disease, mm-hmm. which was that we have a for-profit prison industrial complex. Oh my God. Yeah. We have 1.5 million people in our prison system. So we spend more money learning how to make sure that people go there, that they're killed and that they're constantly in punitive experiences rather than actually guaranteeing housing, healthcare, and education. Mm, yeah. Oh my God. We could get well, so deep into this. We could, like, but that's, and that's what we're yeah. saying here. You yeah. know, it's like, if we really want to be the solution, then let's just look where our money is going. 50% of the American GDP is going to the military. Why? Mm-hmm. What wars are we in? Yep. Half of our budget? There's no need. And what I think 6% goes to education. Mm -hmm. So we know where our values are. It's killing people, armoring up, it's the defense contractors, and it's the fact that war is good for the economy, and so is the justice system. So Mm. don't even, I'll get real mercury real quick. Oh, yeah. And like, it was shocking. I researched, like, I guess a year ago, looking at what products are being made in prison. And I don't want to misspeak, but I think like Dove is made by inmates. It's like, it's just wild. Like the products that are on our shelves that we're buying all the time, so many of them are coming right out of prison. Um, And it's just a perpetuation of that horrific cycle. It really is. And the prison to pipeline, yeah, the prison to pipeline industrial complex, you know, the 13th amendment, you know, there's the idea that only a black person was, was uh, free unless they were incarcerated. Mm. So there's a, so there's a, there's so much there. Mm -hmm. And if we just look at our American economy, Mm -hmm. you cannot tell me that we actually do value and give reverence to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for people. Mm. No, we do not. Yeah. No, we've been trained psychologically to be in this kind of slave master system, even on a very like detailed level down to just life and how we get around um, and paying rent and like just the, the way we live is very slave master. It feels um, like that. It sometimes it does. does. I mean, that's a perception, that's a lens, but like, I know uh, of course our, our work is to shift above that and break out of that cycle and perceive it yes. differently. Um, yes. But we live in a really interesting environment that pushes us to, to find those answers for ourselves. Because then also if we stay in this power over hierarchy, you know, what Isabel Wilkerson, the phenomenal author of Cast, has helped really locate the fact that the American hierarchy is a caste system right Mm -hmm. so that it's power over by white rich male property owners etc etc and if we just keep our head down and keep working we are so distracted and we're in survival because we're in economic insecurity and economic anxiety that we don't question the fact what is it about americans where we're trained to expect so little the purpose of a flourishing economy is to make sure that our basic needs are met and are they even met here they're not no no, but if like we're, with, if you don't have health insurance, right? good luck. And like, good luck. oh my God. About housing. Housing. It's not a out idea to guarantee housing security for citizens. It has been done and it can continue to be done. And we have it in our infrastructure. We have the money. But where do we go instead? Defense contractors, the private prison industrial complex, the criminal justice system, because that's good for money, guaranteeing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is what our founding document is purported to stand on, isn't good for the economy, but we're going to change that.
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Colin, you're so smart. It's like, I'm yeah. so glad we're having this conversation because it's oh. all connected. And I've been reading this book kind of slowly called Sapiens. I don't know. Have you read that book? No, it's really interesting. No. It's just like the human history basically, but it takes you through like, you know, our evolution with Neanderthals and from Neanderthals and then, you know, yeah. how um, empires were formed and how mm-hmm. we got into the system and how we became kind of owned by wheat like as a crop and people started to instead of being nomadic like stay in certain places where the wheat was growing which allowed them to be kind of conquered and warfare to start and empires to build and uh you know people start paying taxes and it's really interesting to see where currency and money came from but like it's so interesting yeah it, it just like makes me look at human beings and the way that we live so differently like this is kind of new too. Like the, our human history is very short. Like it humans, is. humans are changing really fast. And we are. Our country recent. is still very young. We're only two hundred and fifty years old. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I know. So it's like that's not. Yeah, we have. And you know what's especially American. Interestingly enough, too, Helen, I heard um, Gore Vidal, the the Libra author. He said that the United States is the United States of amnesia. Hmm. We yeah. just forget. We just, we have no connection to our history. We have no connection to the larger picture here. Mm. And because we don't, that's exactly why we keep making the same mistakes. We wonder why uh, we're seeing what we're seeing in terms of racist efforts, white supremacy. We don't know its connection to the reconstruction era and the mm-hmm. post-civil war. We're just completely untethered to all of that. And we look around to these problems and we go, how is this happening? And if we knew a fraction of the historical underpinnings, we would have so much space for creative possibility and actual problem identification. Oh my God, that's such a good point. You know, and I I wonder if some of the cultural appropriation that goes on with white people and all of these things is because we don't know our own history and we aren't connected to our people or our land. So we take um, and we don't root and ground, you know? Uh, Absolutely. I know that's true. Mm -hmm. And that's the colonizer mindset. That's absolutely the colonizer mindset because there's no sense of connection to where our culture of origin is. And so we just go and take and wear it and think it's our own. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why that's disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should connect a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's been my um, path, I feel like, for the last couple months is researching Druids and Celtic shamanism. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's been so exciting because I've had this blank spot. I'm like, who am I? Like, who are my people? Why why do I see, like, faces in trees? Like, what (gasps) is this? You know? Yeah. I'm like, it's something. And then I was researching the Celts and the shamans are, this is what they talk about. I'm like, okay. And it makes me feel so much more at home with myself and here Mm. and and community like just to know that and I think like it's so important for people to research their history in whatever way they can um, because of that feeling that you get it's like family like lineage I know I know Mm -hmm. I finally uh purchased a kilt uh, a few weeks ago, and it was the best money I've ever spent. And every time I put it on, I'm just like transported. I don't know what happens, but it's just like, yes, this. Oh my is, god, this is mine. This is like my. And then I, I had a psychic reading with somebody who immediately, when it started, Helen, she said, "Your Celtic ancestors are stepping forward. They're putting swords at your feet and tartans over your shoulders, and wow. saying that they're with you and they're protecting you." And just thinking about that thought gets me emotional every time. When I dreamt of my twin sister's baby before she was even born, before mm. we knew the gender, I met her at a Celtic park. Wow. 
wild. Oh, that gave me chills. I know. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I feel a deep connection to that entire culture of origin. And yeah, maybe that's why I'm not looking to see what other cultures are doing other than just admiring and revering them, but not mm -hmm. taking or extracting like whiteness teaches us yes. to do. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such good conversation we're having. Yes. Okay. I just like, I want to, I got this ping when you were talking about hey. um, a Mars return because yeah. I, I've only been familiar with like Saturn return, which yes, is what we yes. always hear about. Right. But like, right. does each planet have a return for us? Most assuredly. Yeah. So yeah. What, yeah. what are the cycles like? Like what's Mars return like? Yeah, well, it happens once every two years. And so I am of the uh, belief that when my client is going through a Mars return and they're usually talking to me, I'm like, why? <laughs> um, when it happens, I tell them to do all things Martian. So I'll say, you know, within reason, please pursue desire and what you want just because you want to. Mm. Wanting is your only priority right now, right? Uh, during the solar returns, when the sun returns to Cancer. So the sun enters Cancer every summer solstice. So for that whole month, Helen, what I would want you to do is just step into the will and the energy and the radiance of what it means to be a Cancer sun, right? So get real clear about self-acceptance, emotional exposure. What does it mean to find belonging internally so that you can greet everybody from that space of belonging? That's mm. how I look at Cancer, not these crybaby homebodies. It's like, <laughs> so whenever a planet returns to our position, like the moon returns to our position every 28 and a half days, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just mm -hmm. get in touch with it, get connected to it. I typically find that during my lunar return, when the moon enters Capricorn, I'm, I have one of the best days of the month. It's just like, I feel good. I feel connected with family. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you could always go back to that. And then you just look at your progress with what this, what the planet and what the aspects it's making and its house signature What's that, what's that story there? What's the proposal? Look at your reality and say, how am I doing so far? And if I want to get to this space, to this ideal, what can I do to get there? That's what I would look at every planetary return as. Mm, oh, that's yeah. so helpful. Yeah. And I, my trust muscle has been built with astrology, I guess. I got so interested in it from the beginning because I started to realize that like big projects I was working on or, or relationships that were starting were completely aligning with the planet, the planets. Like I just launched my uh, pre-sale course yesterday on the full moon. I had no idea it would be lining up and like, we're cleaning out the whole house, like a huge oh, transition in the house. Like, congrats. and of course, like the, the, the transmution of, uh, of Scorpio and the big changes, like, it's so apparent it. and I didn't even realize until I'm like, what's going on? Today's crazy. I look at the plans. So I'm like, oh, of course. And like, moved. I know. Yeah. Yes. But this yeah. one in particular seemed to be like the alchemist or like super about yeah. change. Right. Like, and we're still in the, we're still in the essence of it. So like, what we else is are. going on? I love that you called it the alchemist and transmission. That's what Scorpio is. There's no doubt about it. And, mm -hmm. and I think they transform when they bridge, once again, those, you know, bipolarities, life and death, shame and empathy, heartbreak and love, pain and pleasure, bring them together. Who do you want to be in that? And I think what we're still in the essence of once again is on the level of my thinking, my emotions and my behavior, how do I maintain full commitment to that both end? because I cannot self-protect from heartbreak and think I will miraculously back into love. Either I'm in for both or I'm in for none of it. Oh, all or nothing, honey. Oh yeah, God. essentially, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the only time we can probably say all or nothing. Yeah, or none. Yeah. That's why it takes courage. It does. And yeah. then if you don't, this is where it gets sad. I don't wish anybody the recognition at the end of their life 
which is, I wish I leaned harder into joy. I wish I leaned harder into those small moments. Like I posted a video of Brene Brown sharing someone else's story, but it's that she was saying she met a man who was in his 60s. His wife of 40 years died in a car accident. Before his wife died, he said, you know, all my life, I never got too excited that way. You know, I wasn't disappointed if things didn't go my, my way, mm-hmm. but if they did, it was just a pleasant surprise. I pretty much stayed on emotionally neutral to, as a version of self-protection. His wife dies of 40 years and he says, it did not prepare me for this moment. And my first realization was, I wish I leaned harder into joy while she was here. Mm. I wish that upon nobody. Yeah. So we as spiritual seekers, as creators, teachers, educators in this field, we have to be the ones to let our folks know that to be engaged and fully committed to love and joy and belonging, the cost of admission is you will experience heartbreak, disappointment, setback, and failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll do it together. You're not alone. We'll get you dusted off your emotional feet and right back on. But just want to let you know, if you want to ride this ride, this is the cost of admission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, leaning uh, in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. And I think as we get used to that and we just accept that that's part of the human experience, like the pain becomes different in a way. It's like oh. when we're actually in it, it becomes beautifully dark, like oscuro. That, that keeps coming up, that word. Ooh. It's like the darkness. Yeah, Ooh, that, okay. that name has that just like been circulating in my realm, like Oscuro, Ooh. like the, the darkness, like it, it's coming up through music and through like oh, cool. a, this like mushroom journey I went on. Somebody named themselves Oscuro, like <laughs> it keeps I coming up. I love a mushroom moment, Helen. <laughs> oh, me too. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, oh my gosh, I always learn so much about myself and, and the people around, but like, yeah. It, and just like transmuting darkness in a way yes. that's like it, it, curious, like bringing curiosity into it instead of like Ugh. shrinking, but like expanding and being like, okay, break me open. What What's going to yeah. come out? Yeah. Oh, um, that's so funny you mentioned yeah. that because yeah, a friend of mine yesterday, she was telling me about a tough moment where uh, a client that she was reading gave her some critical feedback, right? Mm. Like a, mm-hmm. a, a reader's worst nightmare, you know? Yes. And so I think it was like the third or fourth person that she was asking for and like, what should I do? And all three of them before Helen were like, oh, just say, so sorry, I'll give you a refund, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're not gonna do that. What you're gonna do is you're going to say, thank you so much for this information. I would really love to talk to you about this in real time and get clear on what your perspective was and I would like to match it with my own. Is that something you can do? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know. I was like, no, we could do this. I was like, we're going to write it out. I'll support you. But it was just that quality of like, let's get curious about the fact that you just got emotionally hooked and activated by this. Mm-hmm. There is a medicine in this moment. We're not going to know it though if we avoid it. Let's approach. Let's Absolutely. approach. And you can do this. You can do this. But I think, I mean, how would our life look if we kind of had that sense of, all right, I'm unsure. I'm afraid, but I'm going to approach. Oh my God. Maybe not in the face of danger. And of course, if there's no security, get the fuck out. You know, we have a zero tolerance policy for other versions of behavior. But more often than not, we're just here to approach situations of ambiguity with fear in our hearts, but we're going to show up with bravery anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that space where the rubber meets the road. That's the favorite. That's my favorite intersection, my favorite research field. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So powerful to just show up imperfect and show up scared. Like, yes. I was just writing this uh, post about uh, procrastination and why we procrastinate. And we usually procrastinate because of a emotion that's uh, attached to the task that's heavy or scary. And uh, I'm just coming back to my course because it was so scary for me to launch 
this yes. because my biggest fear was your friend's situation that I'm going to yeah. get a review that's like, Helen, I paid for this and this sucks. And I was yes. like, okay, so that's the one thing holding me back right now. Like, how can I lean into the fear and what's, and I'm going to play out the worst case scenario. So I played it out in my head. I was like, okay, this happened. And like, yeah. And I would have sat down with them and, and really, and that's honestly, that's something I would pay for. I would pay for that feedback. Oh, so like, give it to me. Like, how can yeah. I expand? Like th- those are going to be great lessons. And I'm sure that something like that will happen. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and how do we maintain curiosity when we want to immediately armor up and get defensive? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's that <laughs> tension that I think we as instructors in this field have to normalize. Mm-hmm. We have to name it. And we have to encourage the approaching of that space and just say, you can be afraid. You might get your feelings hurt. You might need to apologize and own some harm. Mm-hmm. But this is a part of life. You can do hard things. Yes, absolutely. And then I guess we get into being willing to let go of those hard things and not, you know, relying on that as our self-worth, like the mistakes or not the mistakes, but the hardships that happened in the past, oh, like oh. allowing ourselves to release them. I think that's been my, a huge theme for me too. Is like, yeah. what can I let go of that I've been holding on for like years? Yeah. It's just like, come on. Do you shake it off. A, yeah, really. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, do you have a strategy around <laughs> that, around like a shake off? Do you have like a, this is mm. how I do it? That's a great question. You know, I think we store a lot of energy in the body physically. Uh, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm so curious about Reiki and I got into Reiki for this reason, because you can kind of feel the stickiness, like where emotion is held. And, you know, when we're in mm. yoga or doing hip openers, we can, we get really emotional, like in pigeon, for example, because wow. that's our, like uh, our root chakra and we hold wow. a lot there. So I think one of my surface level tools, I guess, is to get it out of the body where the body's holding it. So stretching and dance and like shaking, like shamanic shaking is dance. Like literally just allowing ourselves to shed those layers. And like, I also find that like, if I eat better and I get in shape and I start to lose weight, which I'm doing, you know, kind of right now, it's a kind of a different thing, but I find that I'm very emotional because Mm. the, the weight that I'm losing is emotional. It's like this, this protection layer um, that's keeping me safe. And I feel like I'm like, why is all this, you know, past stuff coming up? I'm like, cause I'm literally, it's coming off of my body and my body is holding cellular ancestral DNA. So, I mean, I think it goes way back. Like, ancestral DNA and recoding wow. like our lineage wow. almost. And like, okay. you know, like the way that we're living now could, could start the next generation. Um, so I'm doing so much work around releasing like ancestral trauma as well. Wow. But I mean, that's where my mind went when you asked that is like, it's in the body and it's in our cells. So as I treat my body with more love and compassion and unite mind, body, spirit, like I start to transmute that um, and mm. come back into a place of self-worth. It's always about self-worth. It's always about worthiness. Uh, That's where on. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. You probably have Leo in your chart. Do you have Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter? Oh, that, you know what? My let's see. I thought I was a Leo rising for so long, but like when I realized my exact birth time, that's when it switched to Gemini. So maybe I'm like a a, a cusp uh, okay. Leo. You but might, you might have something in Leo because you're a Cancer Sun. So mm-hmm. I suspect you have Mercury, Venus, Mars. Maybe what year were you born? 1993. Okay, so oh, it's not Leo. Okay, you still might have Mercury, Venus, Mars somewhere. I'm looking yeah. at my um, chart. I'm so curious. Bring Do you know up. your human design, by the way? Yes. Manifesting generator. Cool. Manifesting generator. If I mm-hmm. said it correctly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm like, is that one? Is that a type? Yes. Manifesting generator. Yes, totally. Yes. It's the one combination type. Yeah. Let's see. Virgo, Mars, Libra, Jupiter, Scorpio, Pluto, Capricorn, Neptune, Uranus, uh, Aquarius, Saturn. How about Mercury, Venus? Mercury, Venus anywhere? Mercury, Cancer. Okay. And Mm -hmm. Venus in Cancer too? And Venus is in Gemini. Oh, what? Okay, so we have Venus and... Okay, yeah, so no Leo. That's interesting. But yes, you really are here to understand the fact that it comes down to worthiness and self-worth and feeling good enough, exactly as we are. And I think the highest level of Cancer Sun is when I am self-accepted in all areas of my life, Mm. that is home with a capital H. Oh, yes. That is such a journey, too. I mean, I think I was like thinking about this last night, actually, I was like, what is, what is my biggest block right now? Like coming into a new relationship, am I calling in that? And I'm like, I have so much shame around my home being perfect. And like, I'm not willing to be seen. So my biggest theme for right now is like, I am allowing myself to be seen and witnessed and heard. Um, and I think that can be a big block for most people is like just allowing themselves to be seen and held and like, it's safe to be seen. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes. And it'll be uncomfortable, but necessary. Back mm-hmm. to that point of like, let's breathe through the discomfort together with faith, trust, and the people who we love. Yeah. Is there something that you've been working through personally recently that's been like something that you're transmuting or a block that you're clearing? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, because we're always working on stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's been a matter of really trying to be better about having more life in my life Mm. in the sense that I have been working nonstop, like absolutely almost nonstop. And I feel such gratitude and honor for the work that I get to do. And also I could feel myself running out of words. I can feel myself getting exhausted. I can feel myself dancing on the brink of burnout. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a preciousness to that. And I'm going to acknowledge it, but it's really more so of like, the working through is like my worth. And I think especially men need to hear this. Like my worth is not attached to my work. Yes. Because even though I'm gay and lady boy and disconnected from all things, you know, toxic masculinity or to the best of my capabilities. Right. You know, I think I still felt that, that programming of you got to work and you got to do that. So I've been just kind of working through that. Like last weekend, I just treated myself to a little hotel moment in Manhattan, Friday to Monday had the, best time and I oh was my God. like oh I don't and I still worked <laughs> but I got out of my grandma's house I went out I bought the things I wanted to buy I went to the places I wanted to go to I spent time alone and I was just like yeah so I'm working through that I really oh, am. I love that yeah because it's so clear that you love what you do oh, um so it's like day. how do you balance that where you where, where can you just like you know make sure that you have it's an so intentional hard. break I bet it's, it's hard so hard and, yeah. And yeah because I love it and I feel so much urgency really around this moment you know we need every spiritual seeker every personal growth expert in the field contributing as best as they can mm-hmm. uh, but I really realized last weekend girl take a break enjoy it. Don't spend too much money, spend enough and have a great weekend. And that's what I did. So I'm, I'm still in the process of it, but yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think one of the biggest like takeaways and, and blessings from doing this work and being willing to go inward like that is how much I love being alone. I mean, like, I, I mean, we can cherish our alone time and really just sit with ourselves and have the best time. 
Yes. It's and so you know, rewarding. Too, this is probably a bad reframe, but I, this is just how I'm experiencing it. It's like, it also allows us to clear away the psychic clutter and the emotional debris and just for a relax, we've moved. We've like in a space of calm. Mm. And so that's where I got the inspiration. Clear as a bell in the hotel room, night two. Colin, make a post about the fear of joy for the full moon in Scorpio. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, and then 156,000 views later. Oh my like, God. Oh. Whereas if I was crazy working and maybe I might not have had just the, bre- the breath and the receptivity and the listening to that inner knowing. Mm. Now, and so it almost makes me work harder, or I should say work smarter because I've relaxed and calmed down. Yes. Oh my God. Like you made space for that download to come in. Yeah. Exactly. Which yeah. not always easy in our line of work, right? Because when are we not yeah. working? Because if we're breathing, we're working. You're probably writing emails oh, about my course. Let me call this person. Do I? So it's just a matter yeah. of like pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back. You know, by the yeah. way, I just wanted to say you are an amazing listener. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you can tell when someone's like really hearing and detailing. You are a phenomenal listener. Oh, that means a lot to me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you too. Thank you. I feel like we're in such a beautiful conversation and thank you for holding <laughs> space for me as well. Oh my, my gosh. Pleasure. No, it's my wonderful. Pleasure. Yeah, Where I mean, I'm in Topanga, California right now. Okay. So on the other side of the continent, I yes. got to get my ass to California this summer. I think I'm going to go as soon as... Uh, really right after the 4th of July is probably when I'm going to go. Oh, yes. Come on out here. Topanga is right above like Malibu and next to Calabasas. So it's like the mountains. It's the mountains and the beach. And it's like heaven. Like I came out here. Do you know Lacey Phillips? I always talk about her on this podcast, but she's the reason I came out here. She does like subconscious reprogramming, manifestation. Manifestation. Yes. She lives in Topanga and she's the reason that I was like, I've got to go out there because it's like this oasis um, in LA. It's a state park actually. So it's all protected land. And uh, it's just like this little mountain hideaway. Oh my God. Okay. Love it. I probably would. I just wrote it down. Um, Excellent. Yes. So you you might see me. Hey neighbor. (laughs) Topanga, California. Okay. Finally. Yes. Come out here. So Yeah. I mean, to close out, I guess I just want to ask you, is there anything that you are particularly inspired by right now? I know you were mentioning Brene Brown in your course in miracles, but is there anyone inspired by her forever? She's amazing. (laughs) But like any books or media or like people that are really inspiring you right now? Yeah. So right now I am reading The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really helped me look at body shame and the ways that we externalize worth from cer- certain bodies. And yeah, I started reading her book as soon as the full moon into Scorpio. And I'm almost positive Sonia is a Scorpio son. And then I am reading uh, Trickster Created the World. So it's this idea of the trickster archetype. And how when we can just lighten up and have a little bit of levity and like have a little bit of jokes and mischief, so much of our world can change. And in in a few of the cultures of the First Nations, uh, they had a sensibility that one could not pray and connect with spirit until they have laughed first. Oh, I love that. I know. And so it's like the role of the sacred trickster. And of course, the miracle says that the ego was born in the split second that the son of God forgot to laugh. And so I'm curious about trickster. Yeah, right. I know that that book. So I'm I'm curious about like trickster cheeky Gemini energy because I'm totally stepping into that. I'm just like, oh, will you please stop taking yourself so seriously? Okay. 
But uh, I have loved Sonia, Sonia Renee Taylor's work. She is a necessary, brilliant, wonderful voice. And it's just an honor to read her words and hold her book in my hands. Oh, awesome. Okay, that's going on my list. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. And it just came out with the second edition and Brene Brown put like positive praise on it. Scorpio people. So we love them. Yeah. All connected. We'd love All to connected. see it. All <laughs> connected. Yeah, we'd love to see it. What about you? Are you reading anything other than Sapiens? Oh, let's see. Is... What have I? Oh, I just found this, this Celtic shamanism book, like on the side of the road while I was taking my walk. And as I was thinking about this, like it's called The Last... Um, Celtic shaman. I'm forgetting like the, the big name of it. It's hard to pronounce, um, but it's kind of just like a smaller book. I, I don't think it's got a lot of attention, but it's just this guy who's devoted his life to researching Celtic ancestry and wisdom. So oh. um, I've been reading that one. Taliswan maybe is the name of it. Okay. I just started that one. So okay. I'm in like the middle of Sapiens because Sapiens is like a history book. It's really dense, but it's so fascinating. And when I'm ready to like... <laughs> I love how Gemini you are. I'm just laughing at like, But it's cancer involved. It's like, it's the yeah. history of people. The yeah. History. Oh my, I love it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading that and I've got this National Geographic subscription. So I always love to read that like when yeah. it comes in. Yeah, But cool. yeah, little things, I'm dabbling. Yeah, a little sample here and there. I know we're always reading two books at a time, right, Gemini yeah. people? Yeah, I know. exactly. I need, I need the, the choir of voices here, not just a soloist. Yeah, because so. I need a break. Like, I usually go for pretty logical, like, dense, like, like Joe Dispenza type, like, really mm. kind of broken down books like that. But then I really love an adventure. Like, I just finished Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, the Everest story. Oh, wow. Fascinating. I just became obsessed with Everest for, like, the last month. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love people getting... Yeah so hooked by things go ahead go ahead yeah, yeah I just love like stories of people like overcoming insane struggle like that's my yeah. favorite that's, that's why I love to podcast because I get to hear about how people overcome shadow and struggle so and then, and then when at the end of the conversation what are you hopefully realizing wow we're just like them we have yes. so much so much similarity right isn't that the best part it's the best I know I it. Love it yeah well I'll have to get yeah. into an Everest story yeah this is the second time I heard something about it so I just filed that too but I want to start with sapiens that sounds start with sapiens necessary. Okay, it's gonna great. be you're gonna love that one too love yep. it. Yay. and then where can people find you or work with you they can find me at uh, Queer Cosmos on Instagram, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-S-M-O-S. -E -E and they can work with me very soon. I'm going to reopen my books for one-on-one -on -one readings uh, probably in July or August. So you can see my reading availability then and there. I'm going to do a new website because, my God, do I need a facelift digitally. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's that's what's ahead of me. Oh, and – oh, wait. No, I can't say that. But, yeah, yeah something else is coming. <laughs> we'll wait for your last Right, yeah. Okay. Suspense. Right. Secret. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. I'll link that in the description too so yeah. people can find Suspense. you. But... That's it. Well, Colin, thank you so much for your time. I've just really enjoyed this conversation. It's like yeah, the perfect you, way man. to start the day. Thank no, you. Great... You are such a wonderful interviewer, fantastic conversationalist, very accurate listener, and a beautiful space holder. So it's an honor. Oh my God. Thank you. thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you again for hanging out with us today. I hope you learned something new from Colin. He's such a bright light and a wonderful soul. So if you feel like a friend might benefit from the information you learned today, feel free to send it along. And if you feel called to leave a review, that would be amazing. I'd be so grateful. 
Um, again, you can find Colin at Queer Cosmos on Instagram and QueerCosmos.com. He posts amazing IGTVs and reels almost daily, so so much wisdom coming from him. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore, and HelenDenham.com is where you can find me as well. And there you can find blog posts, links to past podcast episodes, and my music, and uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, which I send out every Sunday. All the good stuff. So thank you again for being here, sending you so much love, and have a beautiful rest of your day. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.